Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. <laughs> Hi, I'm so glad that you're with us today. We're going to have some exciting things unfolded today. Pam, Proverbs 3 is thrilling. It's full of answers. It's going to tell us how to get healed. It's going to tell us how to get on the right path. What? It's going to talk about, yes, <laughs> it's going to talk about confidence, strength, talk about length of days. I mean, this- Like, who pro- would not want to listen to Proverbs today? 3 Come is on. a treasure chest. <laughs> <laughs> who, you need to call all your friends, family, relatives, neighbors, co-workers, everybody in the world You needs. need to call 911 <laughs> right now. Get excited. Come on. <laughs> this is going to be good. Proverbs 3, and there's going to be a lot of wisdom to unfold. So buckle your seatbelts, get ready, talking about wisdom. Beautiful. Yes. I love this chapter. Thank you, Father. We always thank the Lord for breathing on His Word and making it light. Father, I thank you that according to your Word that you said that you would declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father to us. So thank you, Father, today that you're doing that by the Holy Spirit. Make alive these words. Yes. Let them go right into our heart. Let us understand them, quickly do them, and everything we touch will prosper, go forward all for the glory and the honor of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's good. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, my daughter, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. You know, the thing I love about God's word and God's wisdom and God's laws are that they're absolute. And a lot of times I've used this description before talking about gravity. There's a predictable outcome about the law of gravity. The laws of nature, there's a predictable outcome and there's an absolute quality to them that helps give you, regardless of the rain or the snow or the temperature or If you're sad or glad or whatever, there's outcome. And this is the way it is with God's law. It's not about feelings. It's not about politics. It's not about anything. But there's an absolute quality that, you know, for me, as I said, growing up as a boy without a dad and growing up with a lot of turmoil surrounding our home environment, it was wonderful to have something absolute in my life and going to God's Word. So I love this. Let me read it again, Proverbs 3, 1. My son, forget not my law. My son or daughter, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And I think when we hear the word commandments, we instantly understand the Ten Commandments. It's not just Moses and and the Ten Commandments on a rock that he got on the mountain. Commandments are God's way of thinking, his ways, his borders of protection, his wisdom, his understanding. I think of a house, you know, if it's 50 below zero, we can come into the house if we're family and we can have a choice to stay out in the cold and freeze. But when we come into the house, there's safety, there's warmth, there's provision. And I think when we come into his commandments, his borders, his walls of protection, of grace and goodness and his way of thinking, then uh, that's what it's saying. Come into my teaching, listen to it, watch it, read it. And it says, number two, for length of days when you do this, For length of days and years of life worth living and tranquility inward and outward and continuing through old age, 
These shall they add to you. So isn't, isn't that, that amazing? Great? Like when you read that, it's God's commandments add this stuff to you. That's why even when you were talking about the Ten Commandments, the wonderful thing about it is you got to read it with God's tonality to right. it. So when God says, don't covet, when God says, don't kill, don't do these things, like this is the law, this is my commandment, don't do this. God's not going, you know, like that Charlton Heston, those old-fashioned movies. Yeah. Don't do this or I'll slap you around. Right. <laughs> He's saying, don't covet. Don't want what somebody else has because I've got better stuff for you. Right. So you got to read the other side of every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So when God gives us a commandment, it's not a, don't do this because I don't want you to have any fun and you know, I don't want you to have a life just sit in a dark hole and just be disengaged from all life. No, right. God is life. That's right. His wisdom and his commandments and his statutes, they give us a predictable outcome. And that predictable outcome is life. And he just said right here, the word says, don't forget my law or my commandments for length of days and years of life, a life worth living, this is tranquility, way- inward and outward, not wow. just outward. But inward and outward, continuing through old age till you leave this world, these shall they add to you. Shall who add to you? The commandments. Yes, staying in God's wisdom, understanding and doing them. I always say, Lord, I bind myself, Steve and I, to long, long life full of joy and abundance. And sometimes when I'm praying for people, I say, Lord, I just, I claim long, long life full of joy and abundance for them. But it comes when we submit ourselves to listening to looking at, to receiving the wisdom and understanding and the ways of God, the commandments of God. So look at verse 3 now. Let not mercy, this is a law of God. Mercy, see, is a law of God. This That's, is kind of like a commandment. It's yeah, like a, kind, a, kindness. It's a border. Now, if, if you remember, and when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, they were talking and boasting about how that they kept the commandments of God and how that they did all this stuff and all the laws of God and all this stuff. And Jesus is like, you're keeping the lesser laws, the minor laws. You're doing these religious form things. And then he says, but you're neglecting the greater laws, the law of kindness and mercy. mercy." So look at, we read here in chapter three, verse three, let not mercy and kindness shutting out all hatred and selfishness and truth, the law of truth, shutting out all deliberate hypocrisy or falsehood forsake you. Don't let these three laws forsake you. What are the three laws again? Let me just back up. Mercy, the law of mercy, the law of kindness, and the law of truth. truth. Don't let these laws forsake you. Here's what the word says. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart. You know something? You can't go wrong with these three laws. They're powerful, powerful. And you know how to do that is You have to be hanging around people that walk in that. You have to be, for it to be bound about your neck, you have to be looking at kindness and mercy. You have to be operating in it. You have to be Well, you have to have the biblical version of them too, right? Right, that's true. And so now look at when you do this, when you hold on to these three laws, look at the crop you get. This is, it's like they're seeds, right? So like when you're working the law of mercy, kindness, and truth, they're like seeds. Mercy is a seed. Kindness is a seed. Truth is a seed. So when you're working the law of these seeds, look at what happens in four. You get this harvest. So shall you find favor, good understanding, and high esteem in the sight of God and man. If you want to get a promotion, here's a great way of doing it. If you want a promotion. You want to find favor? You know, a lot of times I 
totally believe in, in the favor of God. But sometimes, I've, we've talked about this, you know, if you go up to a coffee shop, this actually has happened to you before, and the person actually gave you change back an extra $5. And when you sat down to have your coffee in your meeting, you realized, wait a second, they gave me $5. So you waited for a moment when people weren't in line. So it was kind so that the lady in back of the counter wasn't going to get in trouble. But you quietly passed her the $5 bill and said, I think you gave me too much. And she said, oh, thank you so much. Because that would have been hard at the end of the day. That would have come out of her thing. But a lot of times people would have... Um, got to witness to her because of that. But, you know, a lot of times people would take that and say, favor of the Lord, favor of the Lord, I got an extra $5. No, 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 that's not true favor. So when you say you shall find favor, good understanding, and high esteem in the sight of God and man, that's true, true favor. Yeah, that's the real thing. Yeah. So then it goes on, verse 5, and it says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart. That's important where it says all your heart, not just part of your heart. Lean on and trust in the, you know, I've fooled myself in the past when I thought I was trusting in the Lord with my heart, but it wasn't all my heart. I was trusting in the Lord, but I was also trusting in maybe something else or maybe yeah. even trusting in my own ability or yeah. trusting in my power to make a decision or something. But it says here, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart all your mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Mm. Oh, that's so... such a good word. I've leaned on that word so much in my life, and it never fails you when you lean on, trust in, and are confident in the Lord. Look at six. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him, and He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Come on, who doesn't want that? Wow. To have straight paths, but not just straight, but plain. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? The way is made plain. I've heard talk to people and been able to even to sit as a pastor counseling people, and they're like, Pastor Stephen, just the way doesn't seem clear. It just seems obscured. I'm not sure. Like, should I do this? Should I? Wisdom, when you're trusting in the Lord, wisdom will help you to know and recognize God first. And God will direct and make straight and plain your paths. It's not some crazy... I remember when I was in Sunday school as a little kid, they would put this picture up on the board of where God's sheep and this sheep trying to meander and find this very difficult, <laughs> almost impossible path. That's not the truth. That's not biblical. God gives us a plain, it says right here, when we're trusting in him and acknowledging him, he will direct and make straight and plain your path. And then look at verse seven, be not wise in your own eyes. See, I think that's a big key because for me, it's ridiculous to imagine. But I mean, there was times in my life when I think I actually thought I knew more than I knew. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I mean? Like where I, I was really trusting in my perception. I was leaning on my understanding. And it says, be not wise in your own eyes, but reverently fear and worship the Lord. So when we see that again, reverently fear and worship the Lord, it's to recognize God's hand as the provider, right. as God, right. to trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 says this, cursed is the man who trusts in man or trust in man's arm, man's strength. I've done that before. Even in ministry, trusted in ability or in somebody else's strength or ability to promote. But God's saying here, be not wise in your own eyes, reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely 
away from evil. Well, you know, evil is just putting confidence and trust in yourself. You talked about it before, sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. That's evil. Yes, it is. Instead of putting all of our trust in the Lord. And you might say, Stephen, how do I do that? Like if you're thinking that right now and saying, man, I've been struggling with that. Well, that's, look, I've been right where you're at. I've struggled with that. How do we put our trust in the Lord? By saying it, you steer your soul, you steer your mind, will, and emotions by making a profession with your mouth. And so a lot of times I'll do this, no matter what I feel, I'll just say, Father, right now, I trust in you. I put all of my confidence in you. The psalmist would do this in Psalm 103. He said, soul, bless the Lord. When you speak in your soul, you're speaking to your mind, will, and your emotions. He spoke to his soul and said, soul, bless the Lord. Don't forget his benefits, soul. Bless the Lord. So, you know, sometimes I do that. I'll just say, right now, I put all of my trust in you. That's it. I take any trust I have in myself or my ability or in this person's ability. And right now, I put all my trust in you, Father, because you know everything. You are God Almighty. You are the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. So just speaking that out loud, I steer my heart and my being. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I can just, a thought will come to my mind. I just roll over and it's like, Father, I trust in you. Yeah, me too. Put my trust in you. Me too. And if we do this, going on to verse 8, it says, It shall be health to our nerves and sinews and marrow and moistening to your bones. As we know from our friend, Dr. Don Colbert, so many things happen, you know, diseases can happen in the marrow of your bones. Yeah. The marrow of your bone is where it's kind of like the blood manufacturing. That's where the blood manufacturing takes place in your body. You know, what's so interesting, Pam. I know you remember this story, but when you and I were living in Nashville, and I remember one of the rare weekends we had off, we went to church and we heard a very wealthy businessman's testimony. And he talked about being an atheist and contracting this bone marrow disease. He was dying and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. So he took all of his wealth and just began traveling around the country, going from doctor to doctor, spending all of his wealth, trying to get healed of this bone disease, this blood disease. And um, finally, he tells the story. He was in New York City, staying in a cheap hotel, because that's all he could afford. And he was down to his last few hundred dollars and didn't know what to do, wasn't sure where to go. In his heart, like in his mind, basically saying, this is it. I'm getting ready to die. Atheist, no belief in God, cheap hotel. And he turns over to his nightstand. He opens up the nightstand. And there is a Gideon's Bible. Mm. Pulls out a Gideon's donated Bible. Has it closed. And I don't recommend this, folks. But he has it closed. And he basically says this prayer. He says, God, if you're real, if you are the God of this Bible, I'm asking you, help me. Save my life. Speak to me. He opens the Bible and the Bible falls open to (laughs) Proverbs 3. Now, you got to understand, to a man that's dying from a bone marrow disease, right? From cancer of the bone marrow or something like a blood disease where it's all starting in his bone marrow. Here's what it says. He opens it up to Proverbs 3, starting at verse 7. And it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. He said, I was arrogantly atheist and I was arrogant, arrogant about my own wisdom. Thought, you know, man, here I am, a rich man. I got life by the tail. I can do whatever I want. But he can't get saved from this blood disease. So he starts reading, be not wise in your own eyes. Turn away from evil. Then he reads in verse 8, it shall be health (laughs) to your nerves 
and sinews and marrow and moistening mm. to your bones. Wow. So then he closes the Bible on his thumb and he says, God, are you telling me you'll heal my bones? Wow. You'll heal my blood? What do I do? And then all of a sudden, it just kind of clicks in. I, sh- I should read the next verse. Yeah. What's the next verse say? So then he goes to verse 9, and we're going to read it just like he does. And here's God's answer. Honor the Lord with your capital and your sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income. This guy, he says, there was, like he said, I had like a couple of hundred bucks left. I think he said it was a Salvation Army or something. He'd saw it on the way into his hotel just kind of down the street, down the block. Yeah. He said, I literally take the few hundred bucks I got and I go down, I donate it to the, the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And he goes on reading the word and verse, read verse 10. So shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. He reads all this, like these few verses, and he does this, and that's God's steps for him. Very simple steps. Honor me with even your capital and sufficiency. And he's like, well, God, I, I was a multi-multi-millionaire, but now I'm broke. All I got is this couple of hundred bucks, and I'm getting ready to die. And so he donates that to the Salvation Army, and somehow this faith comes in his heart that God's now the Lord of his life. God's got plans for his life. And over the next few days and weeks, he comes to Jesus. Mm. He gives his life mm-hmm. to Jesus. This becomes his chapter. He's just following because this is where God started with him. Proverbs 3, he just keeps rehearsing this and he keeps asking God for direction. And as you know, we're sitting there listening to this guy give his testimony. He gets miraculously wow, delivered yes, from know. this bone marrow disease and this blood disease. His bone marrow start working and functioning properly. He gets set free from the fear of death. He gets set free from all the things that were stacked against him. And then suddenly... He starts doing great financially. Yeah, he starts growing again. Yeah, he starts growing again. And so this was just a few short years later when he was giving his testimony at church. And he was, again, a business owner and a multi-multi-millionaire again. But this time using his capital and sufficiency to support the ministry and the promoting of the gospel around the world. And what an awesome story, right? But just starting with that instruction, I just so love how he got a hold of Proverbs 3, those few verses and just started locking and loading on life. That's beautiful. And even, you know, you talked about the marrow, but even the most moistening to your bones, mm-hmm. osteoporosis. Oh, you know, my it's goodness. Prevalent. It's even prevalent right now in young people. Like they're finding even some 15 year olds yeah. have osteoporosis now. And I think it's even this which is, is a way Which to is turn. in a way like a drying of the bones. It's a drying right? of the bones. Dry- yeah. So mm-hmm. listen, especially ladies and young women, if the doctor is giving you a prognosis, of osteoporosis, hold on to this law of liberty here and go to this word and ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply this word because God's will is for you to have health to your nerves and sinews. And I know people that have had nervous breakdowns, their nerves getting um, certain diseases and certain disorders that come from like shingles from nerve damage and things like that. And that can have such a devastating effect on your life. But the word of God promotes health and life and take these simple instructions. And let's go back to what we read before, where it says, don't trust in your own ways, but lean on the Lord with all your insight and understanding, lean on him, all your ways, know and recognize him and he will direct to make straight and plain your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. I I know doctors even 
who've been struggling with disorder, who have confessed to me, I got so in my education, I got so wise in my own eyes, I thought I can figure this out. I can get rid of this infirmity. I can get rid of this problem. And they said, the more I believe that, the more arrogant I got, the more I distance myself from the answer and from the truth. So don't be wise in your own eyes. doesn't matter if you're a financial genius and you're having financial problems. Do not be wise in your own eyes. If you're having marriage problems right now, don't be wise in your own eyes, but trust the Lord. Open up your heart to the Lord and let God direct your paths right now and make them straight. That's God's will. He wants to make your paths straight. Verse 11. My son, my daughter, do not despise or shrink from the chastening of the Lord. His correction by punishment or by subjection to suffering or trial, neither be weary of or impatient about or loathe or abhor his reproof. Now, if you just read that like that, for some of you, the idea of God punishing you and causing discomfort, causing suffering could be like, oh my goodness, that sounds scary. Yeah. Right, but we're is he reading. Put something on me. Is he going to do something? Exactly. Bad? Yeah. But we want to read this whole thing in context. Right. So you can't just don't take truth, but take it out of context. Because when you do that, you remove the tonality of it. And you got to remember this: when God's characters described, we know this: God is good, and His mercy endures, endures forever. forever. God is long suffering. Mm-hmm. He promotes gentleness. We read Philippians. 4 verse 5 and it says let your gentleness be made known unto all men for the Lord is at hand yeah. that means God's God in the room and, kind, yes. and, and mm-hmm. God expects gentleness God even when he encourages parents to discipline their children he says don't frustrate your children you got to be gentle with them you don't insulate them from all consequences I've seen loving mothers apply a little bit of a paddle to the, the seat of a child who's maybe going to run out in traffic, but that's because that mom so adores that child. She doesn't want that child to be encouraged that that's good behavior. So let's read this in context because we just read, son, don't despise or shrink from the chastening of the Lord, his correction. Neither be weary of or impatient about or loathe or poor his reproof. So let's see where this sits in context. 12, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. As you were talking about verse 11, then reading verse 12 here, whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. It says that God the Father is the ultimate father. As wonderful as our fathers are down here, possibly, even if you have the best father in the world on earth, it's still nothing compared to the Father God. And um, even- I used to laugh, I used to talk about... When your dad corrected you, how you'd kind of cry hard because you knew that he was so merciful and loving to you. He'd give you a spanking, but it would be this little soft touch because he couldn't stand to hurt his little girl. (laughs) No, no. I'd have to do some fake crying because it really never hurt. Nice. Yeah. But... I was thinking about, you know, a good mom or dad, if somebody, if, if, if a child is doing wrong and being disobedient in something, there's no good mom or dad who would hire someone down the street to drive the car at the exact moment when your daughter or your little boy or little girl's running out in the street and said, okay, I want you to drive up and kind of hit my child just so it breaks her leg, but it doesn't hurt any any worse because that'll teach her a lesson. No one's going to do that. Like no right good mom and dad would ever do that. Father God's not going to try to hurt us. But if that child 
does run in the street, it might get hurt, but it's not Father doing that. Absolutely. In verse 12, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son or the daughter in whom he delights. That's how, that's the context of how God does that. And like you said, no good father in trying to teach his son to behave or teach his daughter to behave would actually take them out there and have their leg run over to teach them not to play in traffic. We call that, that would be abusive. That would be horrific, Horrific, abusive, terrible father. But this is a father, it says, his style is he corrects in whom he delights. Yes. He's, He's a father who dearly loves and delights. Verse 13, happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable. Ooh, Ooh. (laughs) is the man who finds skillful and godly wisdom. You know, I I think about that often. You know, when you find skillful and godly wisdom, there should be evidence in your life that you've got skillful and godly wisdom. And it says here, blessed, fortunate, enviable is the man and the woman who finds skillful and godly wisdom and the man and the woman who gets understanding, drawing it forth from God's word and life's experiences. See, you draw, again, yes. talking about that process, yes. you draw it forth from God's word. I love it. That takes diligence. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we hear such a message in this world from the world and from just in our circles of religion, the driven, be driven by this. There's a difference between being driven and being very intentional, consistent, one step at a time. You and are going ju- after something with all your heart, but not driven. It's it's intentional. It's deliberate and specific. You know. And can I just say this too? You know, when it says to draw forth understanding, to pray without understanding, the word says that we should sing in the spirit and sing with understanding. Pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. To pray without understanding is to pray deficient of something that God has meant for us to articulate precision, as you were talking about. And the thing about that is that it promotes blessing in your life and answers. You know, I know this from myself. I I know this from my past, praying more for the exercise of praying than for the reality of the outcome. Right. And there's something about praying with wisdom and understanding that takes your prayer life to a whole nother level, but also produces outcomes at a whole nother level. It does. I tell you here lately, it seems like to me, and I know I'll I'll sing praise (laughs) prayers. I sing praise. We talk prayer. But I'm starting to realize even when I'm praying for people or praying for a situation, I'll pause and listen. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray? What do you want me to declare? I won't just go on endless, endless, over and over in repetition. Yeah, Jesus said... But I'm strategic with my words. In fact, sometimes even when I just pray for people, I'll just say, peace in the name of Jesus. And every single word, I picture it going out of my mouth, being anointed, carrying it, and every single word hitting the mark, going to the Father, but hitting its mark, you know, and accomplishing what it's supposed to. Jesus said, don't pray like the world prays. He said, when you pray, pray this way. And that's when for the first time we get the download of the Lord's Prayer. 
but it was a specific way to pray, which in a way, when you really go over it, is quite demanding. I mean, it's very authoritative. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When I was a boy, I was taught a lot of times to pray with all these niceties. And now, Lord, you know, if if it's your will and, well, you know, maybe this. And, and I was yeah. wondering, you know, God, and how do you feel about this? You know, it's all this kind of stuff. And it's like when Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray the way a king would teach his people right. to pray. It's from a place of authority. It's all kingdom-based. Again, how do you get that mindset, but that you go to God's Word and you download right. His wisdom and His understanding? And that's where we left off here at the end of 13. It says, the man or the woman who gets understanding, drawing it forth from God's Word and life's experiences. 14, for the gaining of it is better than the gaining of silver, and the profit of it is better than fine gold. Wow. The gaining of what? God's wisdom and, and understanding, understanding. Yeah. is better than the gaining of silver, and the profit of it is better than fine gold. Skillful and godly wisdom is more precious than rubies. Isn't that interesting how we're talking about wisdom better than silver and the profit of gold, and now we're talking about rubies, one of the most rare, precious stones to be found in the world. And it says, and nothing you can wish for is to be compared to her. Remember we talked in chapter 2 about sometimes the person of wisdom being referred to as a her and the person of the seductress or the adulteress being personified as a her. The two complete opposite spirits. Mm -hmm. 16, this is amazing because length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. So basically, when we seek and receive and walk in God's wisdom, we get length of days and we get riches and honor. In your book, you've got a chapter called the RHL factor, right? Riches, honor, and life. Let me ask everyone, everyone in the room, so to speak, who's listening, is anybody interested in length of days? In other words, a long, healthy, healthy Mm -hmm. life. Life, Is there anybody here interested in riches and honor? And don't try to super spiritualize this to the point where, well, it's talking about, you know, spiritual riches. Everything in the invisible, God has intended to manifest in the visible. He's making it clear. We started in 13, happy, blessed, fortunate Enviable is the man, the woman who finds skillful and godly wisdom, saying that it was worth more, wisdom and understanding, worth more and better than the gaining of silver and the profit than fine gold. Wow. You know, it's better and it's more profitable. And then skillful and godly wisdom in 15 is more precious than rubies. Mm -hmm. You know, this rare, rare gem. Nothing you can wish for can be compared to her. And then 16, length of days in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. And then look, 17, her ways are highways of pleasantness. Wisdom's ways are an autobahn of pleasantness. Mm -hmm. And it says all her paths are peace. Peace. I love the word peace. 18, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold on her. And happy, blessed, fortunate, to be envied is everyone who holds wisdom fast. Read that again, Pam, halfway down there through 18. Happy, blessed, fortunate to be envied is everyone who who holds wisdom fast. What a promise. I know. God's encouraging us to get wisdom and get understanding. And I just love 
God's wisdom and understanding. 19, the Lord, by skillful and godly wisdom, has founded the earth. So we're seeing that God made the earth with wisdom. The Lord, by skillful and godly wisdom, has founded the earth. And by understanding, he has established the heavens. If that was the pattern of God and God is all wisdom and understanding, then we need to follow that pattern. Absolutely. We need to run to him and ask what it is. 20, by his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the skies distill the dew. Notice the process too. Things move from wisdom understanding. to understanding. To knowledge. to knowledge. A lot of times in this world, though, I think people want the knowledge first. There's a term to know somebody. We know what that means biblically to know somebody. And we've talked about this. I've heard you in premarital counseling when you're dealing with some couples. The world wants to know somebody before the spiritual covenant is made in marriage. But there's a pattern when things are beautiful. And it's in there to know, you know, we have to follow God's way. Yeah, the world wants to reverse the order and work from knowledge to understanding and then finally somehow come up with their own wisdom. Right. But God's order is always to move from wisdom to understanding to knowledge. And we're going to see that throughout the Proverbs, that same pattern in different ways, but always moving from wisdom to understanding to knowledge. And notice in the Garden of Eden, the failure on humanity's part was when we ate, when we pursued the tree of knowledge. Mm -hmm. When we went after the tree of knowledge, mankind reversed the order because the walks with God and in the garden, God was downloading wisdom. Out of God's mouth comes wisdom, and then we would move to understanding and then to knowledge. But man bypassed God's order and went straight to the tree of knowledge. And in doing that, that's where the whole thing imploded. And like you said, couples end up hurting their relationships because they pursue sexual knowledge of each other. They pursue a breach of God's order and reverse things instead of starting with the vows, which right. are the wisdom of God. 21, right? My son, my daughter, let them not escape from your sight. Talking about wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion. Again, I really like to go back to your statement because it's just, it's such a powerful statement that applies to so much and keeps directing us back to what is good. And the statement that you say, what we look at and listen to determines what we believe. What we believe masters our choices and the choices are the sum painting of our life. And I think sometimes as much as we want to say, I believe, we stand up and we chant and we sing, I believe, I believe in Jesus, I believe in this way. But if we're constantly putting things in front of our eyes that are contrary to God's way, then it will change our belief system. And I think that says, let not them escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion. That's what happens when we do that. Good things happen. But if we put things in front of our sight that are contrary to God's wisdom, understanding, and goodness, we will go opposite. Our life will be destroyed. And again, look at the outcome. There's always an outcome to God's word. Right. Um, verse 22. And they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament to your neck. I want to read that 21 and 22 together. My son, let them not escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion, and they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament to your neck, your outer self. Notice how life always moves. Life, the way God gives it, moves from the inside out. You know, yeah. the, the life is inside the eggshell. It always moves from the inside out. That's the way God is destined order. Life to move from in to out. Verse 23, Then you will walk in your way securely 
and in confident trust, and you shall not dash your foot or stumble. 24. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yes, you shall lay down, and your sleep shall be sweet. That's the wonderful thing about wisdom, when you're truly pursuing wisdom, understanding, and knowledge God's way. Even your sleep is sweet. Right now, we live in a world where so many people's sleep is robbed and they have to have pharmaceuticals and alcohol and all kinds of things to get to sleep. And if you're struggling right now, don't feel condemned about that. I'm not pointing a finger and saying bad you or that you're wrong. I'm just saying God designed you to have a good night's Mm -hmm. sleep, a really restful sleep. And God has that for you. And the secret is His wisdom. You know, the secret is God's way of doing things, His Word. And we talked about it before. Joshua 1, eight says that when we meditate on God's Word in the morning and at night, maybe instead of watching the news at night, maybe instead of watching a horror movie at night, or maybe instead of just trying to pay your bills after like 7.30 or 8 o'clock right. at night... <laughs> Maybe it's time just to open up God's Word, put this podcast on and just listen to it again, Mm -hmm. and just close your eyes and let us read the Word for you. Meditate on God's Word, and let's see how you sleep as you meditate on God's Word and the reading of it. And I just feel like to confess right now over somebody that's listening, Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I just, I lose somebody and some people that are listening right now that they've had their sleep stolen from them for so long. They're so weary and so exhausted. I just loose you from wrong thinking and I bind your mind, will, and emotions to the working and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I bind your mind, will, and emotions and body to the comfort and the peace of God. And I say in the name of Jesus, you shall lie down You shall not be afraid, and your sleep will be sweet in the name of Jesus. That's good. Verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden terror and of panic, nor of the stormy blast or the storm and ruin of the wicked when it comes, for you will be guiltless. 26. For the Lord shall be your confidence, firm and strong, and shall keep your foot from being caught in a trap or some hidden danger. Isn't that something? God really wants to protect us from snares and traps and all that kind of stuff. Withhold not good from those to whom it is due, its rightful owners, when it is in the power of your hand to do it. You know, my friends, listen, do whatever you can to make things right whether it's even forgiving somebody and letting something drop, withhold not good from those to whom it is due. Even when it's praise or a compliment, people withhold complimentary words. Some people would rather give you a $100 bill than to give some affirmation or to give a compliment to say, wow, their pride won't allow them to affirm somebody yeah. or to be impressed. Don't be afraid or don't let pride stop you from sowing the seed of impression. Mm, like so God will put something on your heart sometime to be impressed with another son or daughter. And, and, and don't that. turn around and make it out like you're a saint because you chose to write them a check for $1,000 instead of being impressed with them. To obey is better than to sacrifice. I know some people that would rather... <laughs> would rather make a financial sacrifice than to do what God's telling them to do and just be impressed with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, it's God in them. It's God's gifts that he's given to them or whatever it is. But be obedient. Withhold not good from those to whom it is due. And if you owe people money, it's a spiritual principle to pay your debts 
pay what you owe and to take it serious. Don't adopt this present culture's mentality that you're excused from that responsibility or that you're justified by God's goodness somehow to wiggle your way out of keeping (laughs) your word. That's not true. Here's what that will do to your future. It will make your word, your name, your influence of zero value. You don't want that. You got to be a word keeper like Father God. Be a promise keeper. Be a good steward. If God can't trust you to return what you've borrowed, whether it's a lawnmower, a wheelbarrow, or a $20 bill, or $20,000, how can God trust you with your ownership, with stewardship, possessions, riches, and wealth? You know, sometimes life gets really busy. And sometimes you forget and you get focused on other things and, oh, I'll pay that tomorrow or I'll sometimes pay that next week. Sometimes you want to be focused on other things. Right. right. Sometimes your subconscious tells you, don't think about that. Maybe it'll go away. It really won't go away. So we have to you well, know, take courage and say, Lord, help me find a way. And sometimes it's just communication. You need to tell the person if you don't have the money, could I pay $5 to you at least a month or something? Sometimes that's honorable too. Yeah, Sure, it is. Look, God's interested in getting the good news of his kingdom into you, my friends, so that he can get it all around you, but it starts on the inside of you. And so you might say, how does that work, Stephen? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, seek first God's kingdom. And in saying that, he meant seek first God's way of doing things and being right. And then all these other things, Pam, he was talking about even material things Jesus was. He said, will be added to you. Jesus often prefaced his good news messages with repent, meaning change, Stephen, change your way of thinking, son. So in a loving way, Jesus was saying, good news, you don't have to think stupid thinking anymore, but think God's way. I mean, God said that to me. And you might be asking, does God actually say, does he call certain thinking stupid? Well, in Jeremiah 4, 22, I believe it is, God says, my people are stupid and they're foolish. They don't know me, and they don't know how I do things, and they're foolish children, and they have no understanding. Mm, And God goes on to say that they're smart to do evil, they're cunning to do evil things, but they're ignorant of how to do good things. Well, you know, this is why Jesus came, was to say, hey, repent, change your way of thinking, Stephen and Pam, and think God's way. Now, Pam, I know sweet people that they may take money that they owe to other people, other businesses, their creditors, or even their utility bill to donate to a ministry or a church in hopes that somehow that will get them blessed and get it happening in their life because they feel like it's damned up. That is so not God's way or in alignment with his kingdom way of doing things. God never promotes dishonor on earth by neglecting responsibility. God's a God of honor. Mm -hmm. God keeps his word, and he expects his children to keep their word. So if you swipe it, honey, you pay for it, right? And you know, when I follow these principles, there's just a natural flow that happens. Mm, That's true. And when I don't, when I try to even, well, I'm sacrificing and I'm going to give here, but I, I know I owe somebody or just like what you said, it's out of order and God can't bless things out of order. Yeah. Even though it's God's will that we give in offerings, it's God's will that we give to missions and, and outreaches. Hey, I was Goodness. raised yeah. I was raised by a single mom and so I know poverty inside out and how ugly it is. So, you know, when I say this, Pam, and I'm saying to my friends here, with much love and a desire to truly help you, you cannot borrow your friend's truck and donate it to the church, right? Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense because that's really you're stealing. 
It's not your So you can't take your phone bill payment and give it to the poor and think that somehow you're fulfilling the scripture of lending to the Lord. That's not how it's done. You can't take money that you owe to a bank or somebody personally and give it to missions or to your church thinking that you're sowing seed into the kingdom. You are sowing seed, but it's not good seed. You're sowing seeds of dishonor, corruption. And as God put it, seeds of ignorance and stupidity. So as the great philosopher once said, don't be stupid. You know I love you. I believe the philosopher was Shania Twain. (laughs) Well, the truth is, God loves us even in our stupidness. And that's what we need to know. Don't feel under condemnation, but take courage, dry your tears, get up and say, Father, I know you have a way out of this. I'm going to be obedient today. I'm going to take courage, walk in your peace, and I'm going to do what's right. Friends, we want you blessed. 28, don't say to your neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I'll give it to you, when you know you have it with you. Mm-mm-mm. Sell your wheelbarrow. Yeah, right. <laughs> give, your, give your neighbor back his 20 bucks. Verse 29, do not contrive or dig up or cultivate evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly and confidently beside you. You know, there's sometimes things happen with neighbors, right? Sometimes your neighbor's dog does something in your front yard. There's sometimes, you know, neighbors, we live in a a community where you're not even allowed to park on the street. And we've got some neighbors that seem to enjoy to park right in front of our house. You got to be, what do we read? The law of kindness, the law of mercy. You got to be kind and merciful because our life on this planet earth is not our final destination. We're heading toward the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We're heading toward the new Jerusalem and we need to sow the law of kindness and mercy. It doesn't mean you act like a doormat, but at the same time too, we be merciful to people so that we can present the good news, the message of Jesus to people and let them know that there's a savior, a God of order who wants to bless and love them. And we put our trust in God to promote us and bless us, not in us being unmerciful and trying to extort things from our neighbor or calling up the HOA. You don't do that. <laughs> Pam, do you want to weigh in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, rut row. No. <laughs> 30. Contend not with a man for no reason when he has done you no wrong. Do not resentfully envy and be jealous of an unscrupulous, grasping man or woman and choose none of their ways. Sometimes people look like they get ahead because they're um, unscrupulous. They're grasping. They're just, it's all me, mine, taking, aggressively going after things, and they seem to be profiting. But the Bible says, don't envy that person. You know, and sometimes I tell you, you have to remind yourself, the Lord said this, until the end of time, sowing and reaping will remain. So we know that God's the rewarder. What we sow, we will reap. I think sometimes, though, we're so tempted when we see people that have maybe behind somebody's back, they've crawled over other people, they've pushed people down, they've pushed their way into the room, they've been, and you think, but then they're getting the promotion and they seem like they're getting the exaltations or whatever. And I tell you, sometimes even in Christian circles, very much. And sometimes it's hard not to go, well, what's the purpose? Evidently, being kind doesn't work. You're very tempted to think, well, What's going on with them then? Because they the grasped, they did everything unscrupulously. The and psalmist yet, said, fret not yourself because of evildoers right. who prosper in their way. Because the day is coming, the word says, when they'll be cut down like the dry grass. There is a principle, like you were saying, about the law of reciprocity. You need to put your confidence in. In the Lord. 
exactly. And, and keep reminding yourself, sowing and reaping does work. I think one of the most dangerous times is when you let yourself get over to actually believing that sowing and reaping doesn't work because you're looking at the mm. world. Listen, God is the rewarder. He's the justice. Let justice roll like a river. Listen, he is not a liar. And what you sow in secret, God will reward openly. If you sow in kindness, humility, he will exalt you and set you with kings. And you can take that to the bank because God's not a liar. And the word says in Galatians 6, 7, it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that and that only is what they'll reap. But I love the preface for that. God is not mocked. Ooh, that's good. So that's Galatians 6, 7. 32. For the perverse are an abomination, extremely disgusting and detestable to the Lord. Um, I'm not sure if I said that right. Detestable to the Lord. (laughs) But his confidential communion and secret counsel are with the uncompromisingly righteous. Those who are upright and in right standing with him. Boy, I love that, isn't it? It basically says, look, it, it might appear that these people that do all these things anti-God way of doing things and they're getting the promotions or whatever. But let me just tell you, the presence of the Lord is not really with him. That's disgusting to the Lord. But listen to this. This is what I want more than anything in life. God's confidential communion in his secret counsel. That's what I want. Mm, That's beautiful. Verse 33, the curse of the Lord is in and on the house of the wicked, but He declares blessed, joyful, and favored with blessings, the home of the just and the consistently righteous. Yay! Listen, that's us. That's us. We need to declare that right now over our home. Say, my home. You can walk in that home and say, this home is blessed with joy and favor and blessing. Isn't that good to I know? I like that. And we know that we're the righteousness of God in Christ in Jesus. In Christ Jesus, right. It's not our righteousness, but it's His righteousness, and we're confident in His righteousness. So look at, we can literally say, like you just did, Pam, God Himself declares blessings over your home, joy-filled and favored with blessings. Wow. Every day you walk in your home, you can say, this home is joy-filled and favored with blessings. Your home is a magnet for blessings. Blessings. Why? Because God Almighty has made a declaration. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God himself has made a declaration over your home saying, hey, this home here at Elm Street, this home is blessed by me. Therefore, it's joy filled and favored with blessings. Amen. I don't know if, does God sound like that? I'm not really sure where that voice came from, but I agree I'm not sure where it came from either. But anyway, God is saying, I don't have a Charlton Heston kind of voice, but God is saying, this home, your home, my friend, you're listening right now. God has made a declaration over your home, over your place of work. And he's saying, it's joy-filled and favored with blessings. Man. So you activate that right now by saying, yes. Yes. Amen. I take it. 34. Though he scoffs at the scoffers and scorns the scorners, yet he gives his undeserved favor to the low in rank and to the humble. And the afflicted. And the afflicted. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Father. So this is why we never scoff, because scoffing just attracts 
spiritual scoffing. Scorning attracts a harvest of scorning. But God gives his undeserved favor. Oh, mm. that sounds delicious. That sounds God's really good. undeserved favor to the humble. You know who the humble are? Those who submit to the truth. It doesn't say the doormats. It doesn't say those that just, oh, woe is me and fall in the street. No, it's to the low in rank, the humble, those who submit under God's authority and God's word and to God's wisdom. And when you submit to God, God blesses you with favor and you don't have to deserve it. We get it because Jesus deserves it. Pam, you and I get the favor of God because that's what Jesus deserves. And we are in Christ. Amen. We are in Christ. And 35 says the wise, this is us. If we humble ourselves, the Lord pours his wisdom. We get wisdom from him. So 35, the wise shall inherit glory. Woo! The wise shall inherit all honor and good. I like that. But shame is the highest rank conferred on a self-confident fool. There's really been a theme throughout this chapter, not to lean on your own understanding, be Mm -hmm. confident in yourself. You know, shame ends up being the highest rank, it says here in this last verse, conferred on the self-confident. You know, the world loves to celebrate the self-confident, those who put all this confidence in themselves. And, right. you know, man, I'm so good, and I got this, and I do this, and I'm, I'm me, 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 my, I. Yeah. Did I mention my and I? <laughs> and I and my, 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 I. That's right. But it says, the wise shall inherit glory. You know, when you inherit something, you get it not because of what you've done, but who you are. Mm. Or I should say, whose you are. Right. We belong to God the Father. And so we need to end by just saying a word of prayer. And Pam, why don't you just lead us in a prayer and speaking some of these beautiful truths that we've got from Proverbs 3 over those who are listening with us and just enjoying the Word of God. Why don't we just speak a blessing over them? Okay. Father God, I thank you that you've given us the ability to posture ourselves to receive your wisdom and understanding, and you are more than willing to pour it on us. So right now, we humble ourselves before you. We want your wisdom and understanding. And Lord, we just welcome and we receive an inheritance, your glory. We receive your glory. We receive your honor. We receive your goodness. We say we refuse and repent for sitting on the couch of scorning. We will not scorn anymore in Jesus' name, Father, but we will watch our mouths, and with our mouths we will bless and not curse. Father, we honor you with our eyes. We honor you with our ears. We honor you with our words. And we're not going to be wise in our own self, but we're going to reverentially honor and worship you, Lord. We turn away from evil. We turn away from anything that is anti-God way of thinking. And we turn our eyes, our entire heart, and our entire being. We lean on you now. We trust in you. We are confident in you. And with our heart all of our heart. We don't lean on our own understanding, but all our ways we recognize, we acknowledge, we trust you. And I thank you, Father, that you will make our road straight, the ways we walk straight, high and lifted up, straight and clear in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hey, thanks for listening today and taking time to spend with us. And again, we just hope you even have a great rest tonight as you've been meditating on the Word of God. 
please go to our website and please like this podcast. However you can do that, like it, share it, share it with a few of your family members that you're kind of concerned about, maybe some friends, some young people, get the word out. Please like us, leave some nice comments. If you have bad comments, maybe send those to your (laughs) brother-in-law. But like us and leave something nice. Go check out our website, stephenandpam.com. We really would love to hear back from you. If you have any prayer requests, email those in to us. That would be awesome. Again, keep going with God and keep meditating on his word and letting the wisdom of God permeate and fill your being to a place where you walk and talk it and live it and he reveals and manifests his great glory in your life. We bless you and love you. Remember, because Christ lives on the inside of you, you are born to win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide. 